And we're back. Welcome to Deep Thinking, the road racing, motorcycle road racing podcast. Um, if you've listened to any others, we're sorry, you know, but you'll get over it. You'll be better in 20 It'll minutes. We absolutely better. Pro- this is true. You have to but have you know some what, Ed? standard to We're so good at this. We don't actually need, we are objective. What is it we're good at? Being podcasters. You know, actually, I think that that WTF <laughs> podcast guy got us beat. Dub, who's he? It's a guy, his podcast is called WTF, stands for What the Fuck. Right. He makes it in his garage. Right. And President Obama was just there and did an interview with him. It was awesome. Dude, has he he raced? President Obama? No, no, not him. The other guy, the uh, other podcaster. I don't think so. Well, then, then by definition. So this is episode number infinity. Right, right, right. This is um, infinity. If you're hearing this, it means that... So for some reason, <laughs> we weren't able to have a podcast ready. We're making this one now right. and just saving it for an emergency because we're that smart, right? <laughs> it's, if you don't have a right? backup plan, well, you don't have yeah, a plan. We, we realize, you know what? We're doing good. We got 20, 31 in a row. Right. You know, no problems. We generally make them in batches of three. We don't want to do more than that because then the time frame is right. so big that we can't talk about, right. especially in the race season. Right. We want to talk about stuff that's going stuff on. That's that so happens. exciting. We, um, we so anyway, uh, uh, we'll tell you what podcast number this is on the title line, right. which you've already read. And we'll tell you who we are right now. This is Ed Sorbo of Lindemann Engineering. You can find him on the web at le-suspension.com. Look out. Nailed it. Nailed it. it. Although I have to admit, I was was looking at your shirt. You were hoping, but it's the wrong shirt. I was hoping it was on there. And he's Michael Gugis, and you can find him at motorbikeroadracing.blogspot.com. Buy some photos at motorbikeroadracing.smugmug.com. You notice that Michael tries to struggle through remembering my address right and i just don't even exactly. pretend and i did well i didn't trust you to do it you know this is the haircut episode isn't it <laughs> oh jesus because i just got my haircut back to the oh, nice normal man. flat top and michael this is a disaster you look like president obama oh, you even got gray God. hair in there you got jesus the dark skin you got the long Christ. narrow face you know exactly although i Can don't you sing i don't have nearly the stress levels that you could not pay me to be president have, no, you seen, I, I, have you seen what eight years does to anybody uh, who takes that, that job? Isn't that amazing? Ed, jeez. You know, you think about, in a way, having president like Roosevelt, oh, how many terms did we have look Roosevelt it, it, for? It's Jeton. Look that, at, look that's at a small horse. That is a dog, mother. I mean, <laughs> so, so they changed the rule so you can only have two, oh, right, terms, two terms, so eight years. 16 years, this would kill you. 16 years, yeah, exactly, would kill you. Right? I, I think, I think yeah. part of that really is... Back in the you know 18th uh, the 19th century, prior to World War II anyway, mm-hmm. right? The pace of everything was a little slower, right? You know, now I think to be president for a year is like four years of that oh. what it was, right? You and know, there's more expected of them, and the standards are higher, and the job is tougher. The the public scrutiny is it's, greater, and they all go. I remember like, I think Carter was the last one who didn't go gray. And everybody after him, I started noticing it. Now, right. Carter only had four years. He probably, and of course, <laughs> he's totally gray now. I mean, right. he was, and you know, and the other thing, of course, is these yeah. guys are all older people, right? Well, so they, they're going to get Older, older, Ed. We're both older. We're both older. Yeah, we both be got some gray hair. <laughs> you know? Right? I mean, so it, uh, there is but, a connection there. Oh, absolutely. But they definitely seem to go from having whatever hair color they came in. Right. To, and then one day you turn on the TV and you go, what happened whoa, to that guy? Exactly, man. Is that his dad? But you know, Holy crap you gotta figure that being a little bit worried 
that the phone is going to ring and there's going to be some, I don't know, a million people dead thing. Right. Go at All that. the time. Yeah, right? 24-7. All like, the time. Like the most worry most of us have is, is our friend or family member going to get hurt this weekend racing? Right. Or cancer came into the family. Or, but right. it's always kind of slow motion and it's always only one person or a small number yeah, of people. Right. You know? And then you have in a position where you're invested in huge numbers right, of right. people. We're never gonna get phone we're never gonna get a phone call that says the missiles are coming and well, we're expected to do something. Right. You know? Besides I'm, just go right uh, I, you know, no, I'm right. gonna I'm gonna, spaz. I'm gonna go for the emergency. And then you know what else? Well, Not just that, but like when there's a downtick in the economy and a million people lose their everything, job, everything, right? It, everything, right? Even nope. good things can be right stressful, stressful, right? Uh, absolutely. So, okay, okay. I'm this just, is this is I'm depressing. Just, Stop. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'll just I'll just okay. put it this way: when the when the missiles come, uh, Sandy and I are just going to go for the emergency tabs of LSD and go yeah. sit on the roof and watch, watch the pretty the colors. You yeah. know? Oh, hey, you want to hear something trippy? I ever tell you about my dad being used for medical? Nice uh, segue. Thank you. What do you? I, uh, I think I told you about my dad being used for uh, nuclear experiments by the Navy. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, yeah. He, he was back in, when they were doing. Yeah, here, watch shots. this. Here's some sunglasses to wear. Exactly, and you know he was talking about it recently. Um, that I mean, and, and in detail, I'd never heard of before. I mean, grown men, U.S. military members, jumped off the ship in the middle of the night probably to their deaths because they were so terrified of what they were exposed to. Um, the government you is... You know what? Being afraid of nuclear weapons. <laughs> right? right? That's like... They, no, they had Jump no off a ship and swim to Hawaii. Okay, Not crazy exactly. anymore. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, right? you might make that, it. That seemed you like know? the rational thing to do at the time, man. All I want to say is that the government's finally gotten around issuing some reparations to those people who that happened to. And it's not a lot, but it's something. You know, you know, it's an acknowledgement that says we probably shouldn't have done that. People like to talk about how untrustworthy and how horrible the government is, all that kind of stuff. But I tell you, way better to be, you know, on the, the free world side mm -hmm. where at least eventually we go, you know what? It was unfair for us to lock right. up all the Japanese-American right. citizens. We're sorry about that. Right, right. You know, there's a big difference between doing a thing that's wrong and then realizing it and then working to make it better and just continuing just to going, deny yeah, it. Yeah, it never happened. Know, yeah, that's... Uh, so that's what makes this podcast way better than anybody else's podcast. What's that? <laughs> that we can see the balance in things? No, the fact that we're doing it. Oh, okay. We are, we are, we are a self-evident truth, Ed, that we know how to do you podcasts. Know, racing makes people <laughs> think this way, right? It, how many people have crashed and then learned something really useful, uh -huh. right, and gone faster because of it or fixed something because of it? Or how about the time my ball joint broke in my truck in a left oh, turn in the intersection? Did you really have to work the word balls into this that quickly? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so, you know, I'm, it's a hassle, right? My right. truck is stuck in the middle of an intersection. I'm causing traffic. Right, right. I'm able to force it off the road into a parking lot. But then I think, you know what? Ten minutes ago, I was like two and a half times the speed limit on an exit ramp <laughs> uh, from the freeway, it was elevated. Like, I could have hit the wall there and gone over and landed on top of um, school bus Byron's, for the children. You know? <laughs> hey. Anyway. Um, the, uh, and, and speaking of speaking of racers, we have something, we had something in the can for the canned, um, for the canned broadcast, for the canned podcast. And that is, of course, and anybody could see this coming, 
Yvonne Duhamel stories. Uh, <laughs> I saw it coming. I got one. What's yours? Uh, uh, okay, mine is a um, few years back. Uh, we're at, over at uh, Auto Club Speedway. And, uh, and then for you kids, this is Miguel's father. Yeah, right? Oh, God. And for, for, for you kids, Miguel Duhamel was one of the most successful AMA road racers in U.S. history. Um, They're both Canadian. Yeah, both Canadian. And Yvonne kicked ass before his, uh, before his, uh, fa- uh, before his son did. Yes. And Miguel, no, Miguel was really, Miguel had skills. Well, back then, not only did you have to have skills, right? Tires were skinny and men were men. Right. Tracks were dangerous. Suspension was, what's that? They don't have, suspension (laughs) was just a word back then. Exactly. So your story. Oh, um, so several years back, uh, AMA is racing at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana. And this is when they're doing the the, uh, Formula Extreme is the 600 bikes. Okay. Which were really cool 600s. They were like 600cc super well, they bikes. They had the word extreme in front of them, and yeah. it was spelled with an X. Yeah, oh, well, you can't no, get cooler than we, that. Yeah, we, if, if you look beyond <laughs> that bullshit. The 2000 extreme formula. I, right? Oh, God. No, but I remember one of the Honda guys looking at the bike, one of the, the crew chiefs or something, looking at the bikes going, bike going, this is... This is a pretty cool bike here. Okay, they 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 Honda put some effort into those 600s. They were not just topped up; they were built. Anyway, at the um, the race, the two Honda bikes took off, and they were um, they were you know, miles ahead of the field, but they were inches apart, right. and they were swapping back positions back and forth the whole race. Playing tag and drafting on the banking. Okay, but this is an Yvonne Duhamel story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I promise. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, I do not remember who was on the other Honda bike. I think it was Jake Zemke. Probably. But it was, uh, yeah. But it was uh, Miguel who was on uh, the other one. And uh, at the uh, you know at the end of the race, 18 laps, Miguel wins, you know, by half a wheel length at the stripe, right? It's a great race. So, um, but it's still not a Yvonne story. But he's he'll be here in about forty-five seconds. Except for the DNA connection. No, no, no. He'll be here in about forty-five seconds. So you come down pit lane after the race at Auto Club Speedway. You hang a left. You go uh, in between the garages, underneath the um, the uh, the pit boxes. Well, you go under the pit boxes first. Then you can go. Then you go right, and then you come to um, podium Park Fermi, where the the podium is. In America, it's just called podium. The podium. We're not we're not we're not all fluffy. Hey, you know what? Is Park Fermi French? Yes, and 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 my friend Kevin Williams. What up, Kevin? Says that you need to change les suspension to something that sounds a lot less French. Oh, Kevin okay. is the guy that Kevin's can't stand French. <laughs> exactly. These are awfully good French fries. Num, 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 num. No. I really like the ones at In-Out Burger. You mean Freedom Fries. I watch them making them the French fries at In-Out Burger. They put the potato and then they go French. <laughs> My, uh, apparently, if you go to Belgium and yes. order French fries, the Belgians will be very upset with you because they claim ownership of the French fry. But I digress. So, Miguel pulls up to the podium on the bike, and he gets assaulted by some crazy white-haired man who's grabbing him and shaking him and screaming at him. Father. And I'm look, I'm looking at security going out. Where the... Yeah, where, they, he's, and, and somebody goes, dude, that's Yvonne. And I'm like... Still, and they're like, the security is probably thinking we are not messing with Yvonne. We know better. We've seen this man race. We don't want any part of trying. Hence, you know why. Oh, you know what? I got two Miguel. I got a Yvonne and a Miguel story. I got another Yvonne story. Hence, you know how Miguel got his attitude. Oh, dude, I got another story about that too. 
Um, this might be the Evel Don Duhamel podcast. But anyway, I just thought that was really cool. I thought that was really cool coming to Park for May after a badass race. You've won by fractions of an inch, and your freaking championship dad is standing there screaming at you, congratulations. That is, that's, that's pretty that's, cool. That's pretty cool. All right, what's your Yvonne Duhamel story? My Yvonne Duhamel story? story comes from Colin Frazier. Colin, right. So Colin is racing in AMA. Oh, oh, oh. by the way, did you see the uh, broadcast of the first uh, Canadian Superbike round this year? No, I only read the results. Pretty cool race. Excellent. Pretty cool race. I mean, granted, it's only two guys at the front, and they're head and shoulders above the field, but that's all you need to make a race, hey, dude. Hey, but we're trying to keep this podcast not date-sensitive. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so my... <laughs> Like, because we have a huge Canadian Superbike listenership. We do. Um, You know, we've got four Americans listening and two Canadians. That's not bad. So, Colin Frazier is pushing his old school Superbike in the pits at Mid-Ohio back in the day. Now, when you say old school. Like, KZ1070-something model. So, it's a stout, heavy motorcycle. And he's pushing it back to his pit and in mid-Ohio. Anybody's been there, you leave the track, there's a little ramp uphill, and then it's flat for a while, but then it starts a gen- an incline that's, you know, it's a, not a big deal if you're walking, but if you're pushing a motorcycle, you imagine you're, like, starting to get tired. Right. So he's pushing his bike back to the pits, and practice is over, and Colin's a decent-sized guy. So, you know, he can push a 1,000 up a hill. But he starts to get tired. <laughs> And so, you know, he stops to lean the bike on his hip and rest for a moment. And he turns and looks over his shoulder. And it gives you an idea how big Yvonne Duhamel is. Right. Small. Right, right. And how big a KZ-1000 is. Right. Fucking massive. Right. Like, it puts your bandit here to shame. <laughs> right. right? No, it's, it's about that size. So Colin looks over his shoulder. Man, it's a heavy bike. I'm getting tired. It's done a... And Yvonne is sitting on the passenger seat of his KZ-1000. But it gets better than that. Yvonne is so small that in order to slow Colin down, he had to start applying the rear brake. <laughs> now, I was so stunned when Colin told me this story that I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, you, you're making this up. You're fabricating some. No, absolutely, dude. I didn't notice until he started pushing on the rear brake. So from the horse's mouth. You know, you forget how big those bikes were. No, I don't. But <laughs> no, um, I raced some of those. I um, I have, I had, uh, I helped a friend of mine who was moving uh, recently load up his bikes. That was my job to show up and, and load the bikes in in the back of the truck, right? And um, because he was uh, packing up a garage and like I don't know, he had a small collection of like eight thousand motorcycles, right? Um, they didn't all fit long ways. We had to do them yeah, across the truck, right? But it's funny, there was a Yamaha FJ1300, there was a Yamaha R1, there was a Yamaha FZR600. This guy's compensating for something. No, 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 He's, I'm thinking he works for Yamaha, <laughs> right? And there was an old Norton Commando 850. And by far the longest motorcycle of that collection was the Norton. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was longer than the FJ1300. I'm like, what the... Well, they were making them long on purpose oh, yeah. to give it some stability. Some stability. Other than that, the thing yeah. would launch you into the English Channel, right? Well, they that were still hysterical. working out the details of you know frame strength and right had tube wall thickness and diameter hey. and hey, let's try this. Let's... Why? Oh, because I have this material. Oh, okay. I think I think that bike came with uh, adjustable damping on the shocks. Which was a knob that you turned to increase the friction on, on, the, the, on, the, on the leather pad <laughs> that rubbed like, on the oh shaft. My God, 
like, no, that yeah. that was real. They had stuff like You're, that. I it's know, not, right? No, I know. They had steering dampers. So this is the thing, right? When guys are like, "Well, what do you mean suspension was just a word?" Well, listen, dude. No, yeah, right, if you right. went from a leather pad rubbing on a shaft <laughs> to some kind of thing that was filled with some oil, like you're happy. <laughs> you're like, it's "Wow, this actually kind of works." Yeah, exactly. They had steering dampers on bikes back then that were literally yeah. You tighten the screw on the cap uh, and, and the knob. Yeah, and that yeah. that just increased or decreased the steering head bearings. <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't directly steering head bearings. It was a friction thing, like a leather pad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's okay, terrifying. so Miguel stories. Oh, um, no. Oh, okay. This was when I read um, someplace, and it talked about one of those reasons that Miguel learned to do what he did. You know, his dad, hey, you know, you can call this good or bad child rearing. Because, and let's face it, the reality is that a lot of kids who are raised racing like this wind up as very screwed up young men, okay? But Miguel's dad took no excuses, no excuses for losing. Miguel would say, my bike is slower than everybody else's. And Yvonne would say, well, then why are you braking so early? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So the, the story that I read, I have no idea where I read it from, and I apologize for copyright. You could sue, take everything, okay? Um, was that uh, he got pro uh, Miguel got protested, right? And um, they, the uh, competitors, as a kid, they wanted, wanted they, you know, tear this bike down. And they couldn't get the cases apart on the bike. And uh, they, the, uh, the tech inspector was like asking Yvonne, what is this on the cases? What's the stuff on the outside? It's got to be some super glue that it had, you know, it adds, uh, adds structural you know, uh, integrity to the cases. That's allowing you to build it. And they kept digging and they kept digging at it. It was just mud. The, the stuff had been, the mud had been on the engine for so long, and it would, the dirt had just, like, welded itself to the engine. Engine had never been taken apart. It was amazing the thing started at all. He's down God knows how much, you know, in top speed, and it's just, it doesn't matter. You go win, you know? I'm not sure that makes you, uh, like I said, a good human being, but it makes you a hell of a racer. <laughs> you know, it makes you a hell of a racer. Well, okay, so in the vein of, you know, did Miguel grow up to be a nice person or not? Um, at Mid-Ohio, again, mm -hmm. this time I'm crew chiefing for Chris Ulrich. We're racing in um, Superstock. Had to have been Superstock, 1,000. Did, uh, did Chris ever ride that? No, he rode 750 Superstock. Uh, well, when I was working for him, he was on a thousand, and it wasn't okay. a super bike, so that made it super stock, okay, or super sport, or whatever they called it. Let's go with that. And uh, so Miguel's in the same class. Fact we're, checking. We'll we're, let somebody else do that. We're at Mid Ohio, so this is two thousand and six. Right. And um, <laughs> Miguel feels that Chris uh, has gotten his way at some point on the track. Okay. And he flicks off Chris uh, as he goes by. And then they both come into the pits. Chris was coming into the pits anyway. I don't know what Miguel was doing. Okay. And so I don't see that on track. But as uh, Miguel goes by Chris at our pit, or Chris goes by Miguel as he passes him, one of the, somebody was passing somebody in the pit road. Right. Chris uh, goes, you know, with the arm up gesture, you know, like what, what's up, you know, gesture at Miguel. Uh, with all fingers, not he wasn't flicking them off. He just gives them the what, what's wrong it's with you. It's important to point right? out the number and and which it, it finger. Matters, right? right, right. So then Chris stops, and I don't, I don't, I don't care. Right. I don't even know, right? And so now we're under the canopy and we're debriefing and we're talking, right? And and 
I'm looking, you know, past Chris, and Chris is looking past me. So behind Chris, I see Miguel heading over to us, stomping. He's got his helmet <laughs> off. He looks pissed. He's walking fast. And there's one or two crew members following him. And they look like, oh, man. Not, look, not they, this again. They look embarrassed. <laughs> and Miguel comes over and gets in Chris's face and starts yelling at him and poking him in the chest and whatever. <laughs> That's as high as Miguel can reach. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know he was that small. Like, I'd never seen him. I'd never been really close to him or never paid attention. Yeah. Anyway, he's yelling at my rider, and that's one thing. And maybe they had something on the, on the track, and maybe Chris deserved it. I don't know. Okay. But it keeps on going, and now he's interrupting my time. I need to talk to my rider, and right. I'm tired of this. So, you know, it's like seven or eight words, and then I step between the two of them. There's only enough room for me. I have to push Chris back to get in front of Miguel. Right. And I put both hands on his chest, and I give him a big shove. And I didn't know how small he was. Dude, the guy goes off his feet, out of the canopy, landed on his feet. He's, he's you know, he's quick. Right. And, but he's like six feet away from me now from one shove. I'm like, all surprised. Like, wow, I did that? <laughs> you know? And then I fucking point my finger in his face, and I'm yelling at him and kicking his ass out. And his crew chief grabs him around the shoulders and, and takes him away. And somebody took a picture. No. The fucking red-faced Sorbo with his finger in Miguel's face yelling oh, at him. Oh, dude. And they printed it in Road Racing World. It was awesome. That is, you know what, Ed? That might, Don't yell at my that rider. That might make you right. Nobody picks up my rider but me. Well, actually, that, that leads to, right, it's an important thing, right? Which is? If I'm working for you, I'm doing everything I can. Just right. like if I'm riding for you, right. I'm doing everything. I'm riding Absolutely. for myself, right? And so when you're my rider, for whatever reason, whether you're just my friend and I'm helping you or you're mm -hmm. a customer and you're paying me, once you're my rider, right. right, then I have certain responsibilities and I have a job that I'm going to do. And somebody interferes with that, right? now I have a problem. Now they have a problem with me. Right. No, <laughs> that, that's the way it works. And conversely, you know, somebody uh, told me once after watching me come off the track, I don't know if I was going well or not that day or not. But, you know, Ed, I'm trying. Every lap, I'm trying. And that was a thing that I, I was one of the nicest compliments anybody gave to me. They said, when you're out on the track, you're trying. That's real, and that's really all you can ask from anybody under any circumstance. Oh yeah, that's the that's the surefirest way to piss me off. Which is, is you're out there half stepping it. Yep. Don't yep, yep. don't do that. If you're doing the best you can and you're stupid and slow and whatever, that's fine. You're trying to improve. We can tell you, dude, you're supposed to do this other thing, whatever. Right, right. If you don't care and you're out there, no, just get get lost. <laughs> I'm not down with that. All right, do we have a two minute board? Uh, well, no, I didn't think of it. Let's anything. talk about average speeds. Oh, okay. I, right? Ed, Ed rode over here on a... A KTM 390. A, okay. Uh, I guess we are going to name the motorcycle. Yeah, it's, it's a decent bike. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's, it's, it's built to be an entry-level sport bike. It's for somebody who's, you know, just getting started. It's not built for somebody who's been riding for so long he can't remember. Right. Right? And so, you know, it's small and it's a little buzzy. It's a single cylinder. If you're on the freeway going 80, it's right? not perfect. Well... Gee, yeah, I didn't right? build it for that. My Corvette but, doesn't go off-road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Anyway, it has an average speed indicator on it, which is really nice to watch when you're bored for right? 30 minutes on the freeway. And it's funny, I've been uh, when I noticed it, I would have already been going 80 for a, a goodly amount of time. I don't know, 10 minutes. Okay. Right? And I looked down, and, and the average speed is like 28. I'm all, what? Come on, this has got to be wrong, or it's got to be, you know, it only goes, to, I, for a little while I was thinking, oh, maybe it won't pay attention if you're above the speed limit. Maybe it only ah. goes to 65 or 55 nope, or something. Nope, nope. And then I realized, no, it's, ah, 
average. That's how math works. You can never <laughs> take away works. the part where you were going zero miles an hour. Right. You can go crazy fast, but at some point, you know, the zero has an effect. And then, conversely, when I got off the freeway to come to your place the right. last few miles, in the, right, this average speed stayed whatever it was, even though I was now going 10 miles an hour and sitting in traffic, right. because you can't undo the fact that you were going 80. And this is why, this is why on a long road trip, I'd still struggle to ride on long road trips with other people because they want to lollygag at gas stations and part of my head is oh, yeah, doing, no, the, they, doing, doing the math about the average you speed. Like, going. You're killing me. You're just killing me. And this is why in an endurance race, you don't stop till the tank is empty. Yes. Oh, yeah. You that don't stop huge. until the tank is empty. You know? It's one of the reasons why if you want to have a good endurance series, you need to have a uh, fuel tank limit yeah because when because yes it is hugely better to have a gigantic tank and that's a better strategy and you're gonna right. do better but it takes a lot of the fun out of it yeah if everybody's got to run stock tanks everybody's got to pit at about an hour right and everybody's gonna do more pit stops and more mm -hmm. people get to ride and there's more things going on absolutely and yeah your average speed is lower but it makes it for more people can compete. Absolutely. The um, and and it also gives um, it, it it also gives an advantage to the people who actually do prepare for enduring for that whole stint on the bike. The rider, think about it. If you're three seconds a lap off the pace at a um, a track where the lap time is more than two minutes, so what? Do you know how many laps you've got to do before? Yeah, but you're arguing for a bigger tank now. No, no, no. I'm arguing for a smaller tank. I'm arguing. I'm arguing to say that. Well, because we had to fill a podcast. But no, my point. My point. Hold on. My point is simply that if you're two seconds a lap slower, but you are in better physical shape, and you can stay out, and over the course of the endurance race, you guys, your team makes one less stop. Yeah, but than see, the other that's team. the argument for the bigger gas tank. No, no. Yes, it same, is. Same gas. Oh, let me finish. Your team. <laughs> you're, makes oh, one you're less saying stop. the guy can't even go the, the distance of one exactly. tank. Exactly. Oh well, to me, that's a no-brainer. You've got to be able to go an hour. You, you, I mean, it's it's true. It's not easy to ride an hour. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the real reason I don't like having big gas tanks. What? An hour's enough, man. <laughs> an hour and a half is no goddamn fun on a motorcycle. I'm telling you. And and and, and to be fair, when when Team Hawaii was doing lots of 24-hour races right. at night at Willow, right. we would frequently run one guy for two hours because they're going so slow. No, because it and it's hard to ride at night. Oh. And once you've worked it up and got it figured out and you've got your rhythm going, it's cool. You're not getting tired. The two hours is not a problem. So just leave the same guy on. Come in, right. fill the tank, send the same guy back out, and he keeps his rhythm. It works out just fine. Yep. So I can ride for two hours. It's just kind of boring after an hour. Uh -huh. And then, of course, in the daytime, you do get hotter and you can make more mistakes. Right. I've ridden bikes with big gas tanks and had to do hour and a half stints. And yeah, yeah I, I prefer You're not the, going fast. That's, one, that's why Moto ST had the fuel tank limit rule. I think to it's, make you have pit stops. And if anybody out there is trying to uh, get an uh, endurance uh, series started, a club racing, semi-pro level, that sort of thing, stock, stock gas tanks. tanks and stock tanks. you can work on your bike during red flags. I like it. Both of those rules fly in the face of you know pure endurance racing and right. doing it the best way and being. But you're only going to have three teams who are serious and can take advantage of that right. shit. And then they're going to dominate, and nobody wants to play. But right. We used to have three and four hour races in Hawaii, right. and it was common for guys to change every 15 minutes. Really? Dude, it's 
85 degrees and 182 percent humidity. Right. And you know, it's a three quarters of a mile lap track. Right. Right. And people are used to doing 10 laps, and then they're like done. And you know, better to say, hey, listen, I'm okay with 15 minutes, and right. then you go right. Then right. to stay out and crash. And of course, yeah. and of course, after 15 minutes, you don't have to load the tank. You just come yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, right. They only put on. in fuel when the tank was needed fuel. Right, right. They right. just come in and change riders. We didn't even make you turn the bike off. You just jump on the bike and go. Way you cool. Know? Yeah, right. You're trying to get the new people. You got two friends and they get their buddy and it's his first race ever and he's hooked and now you got another racer for the club use it use endurance racing for all these social reasons not right. just for you know team hammer right uh for vesera for whoever it's a way of, of darkness it's a way of transitioning people in from the track day thing to racing yeah you know, plus absolutely. trying to enforce the don't work on your bike in the red flag yeah, is difficult if you have a red flag situation, better to let all of your resources focus on the red flag problem <laughs> rather than have people got to run around and make sure nobody's cheating. Right. Or worse yet, ask the teams to watch each other, oh. which always turns into a high school disaster. Right. Better to just let them work on their damn bikes and then more people are in the hunt. Listen, the guys who got the fast riders and the good organization, they're just going to win by a little bit less. less. It's right. not going to change who right. wins. Right. By the way, high school disaster, excellent band name. He's Ed Sorbo. <laughs> He's Michael Gugis. Aloha. Aloha.